Our reading this evening is from John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb raised him from the dead and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies... It bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said, heard it said that it thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. 
He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, even many of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority. But the Father who sent me has given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. The Psalms are full of prayers that are fitting for Christians to pray at every point of life. In fact, you can find a psalm for every occasion. A psalm that gives utterance to things that you would have a hard time expressing that confesses things that you would struggle to confess, your sins and also your trust in God. It's hard for us to put into words the things that we experience, the things that we should cry out to God. It's hard for us to put into words what God means to us when he shows us mercy. Listen to the words of one of David's psalms, which Jesus takes up in our lesson today. Psalm 6, David writes this, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love, for in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise. David pleads to God, not that God would spare him from any misery 
or that God would withhold his hand from him altogether. But he prays that when God extends his hand and disciplines him, it would be, not be out of his anger or out of his wrath, but in mercy. David prays that when God extends his hand towards David, he would receive it as life and not as death. David's soul was troubled. He had enemies about him, harassing him on every side. His soul was troubled, and so he cried out to God. He cried out to God in the very way that God himself teaches us to pray. Jesus himself taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, calling on God as a dear child calls on his dear Father in any time of need, on account of any trouble, great or small, that is how Jesus has taught us to pray. Now, we've seen Jesus pray these weeks so far during Lent, and his prayers are a bit strange. They're different than our prayers. He knows things that we don't know. He asks for things that we would never imagine to ask for. He thanked God. He thanked his Father. But the gospel was hidden from the wise and discerning because he knew that they would be proud. He knew that they could not receive it in humility. He thanked his Father that it was revealed to children, to those who are lowly and despised. He thanked his Father that his Father heard him. A strange thing for the very Son of God to need to thank his Father for hearing him. But Jesus, in his ministry, after being born of the Virgin Mary, he is bearing humility that does not belong to him by nature. He belongs at the right hand of his Father, but here he is, walking among fallen, sinful human beings, and so he thanks his Heavenly Father that he has heard him. Tonight he prays that God would glorify his name, that his Father would glorify his name. Notice what's surprising about that prayer. Jesus does not pray that he would be glorified. He does not ask God to glorify him. He asks first that his Father's name would be glorified. Later, Jesus will be glorified, but he won't be glorified in the way that you would expect. He's not glorified by a display of power and might. He's not glorified in riches and wealth or influence or the acclaim of people, but he's glorified in suffering and dying. And so first, before he glories, he prays that his Father's name would be glorified. Jesus prays, and when he prays, he does not ask for the things that we ask for. Now is my soul troubled, he says. But what? Am I going to ask that the Father would save me from this hour? For this hour, to suffer and die, that is why I have come into the world. Jesus teaches us how to pray, and he comes and he withholds a prayer, a prayer for deliverance. He doesn't ask for it. He does not ask that his life would be spared. He does not ask that he would not suffer and die. He says, this is why I have come. Now is my soul troubled, but what? Should I ask that my Father save me from this hour? This hour is the very reason I have come. Jesus didn't come to glorify himself. He came to set aside his glory. Jesus did not come by his own authority because it was something that he wanted, but he came because his Father sent him and he delights to do his Father's will. He came to be humbled and made low and not to ask that his life be spared so that yours could be. 
Jesus withholds this prayer, that prayer that we pray so desperately, so often, Lord, save me. Jesus didn't pray that prayer. Instead, he took the answer. His life would not be spared. He would suffer and die. He'd be crucified. He'd endure the insults and the mockery and the misery and the pain and the forsakenness, being forsaken by his Father, being treated as a sinner, being disciplined, not in mercy, but according to God's wrath, according to his eternal judgment. He was not spared any of that, and he did not ask for it. He asked that his Father's name would be glorified, because he knew that that is the only way for you to be saved. You could not suffer enough to pay for your sins. You could not be righteous enough to undo all of the things that you've done. You could not dig deep enough into your heart to root out the sins that lurk in there. And so he came to do it for you. To suffer and die in your place. To receive what he never deserved. To endure being abandoned by his father on the cross to the grave so that you would not suffer that. He sets aside his glory. He's not here to glorify himself, but, but he will be glorified. He's not here to glorify himself, but he's here to be glorified by his Father, and his glory is in this, showing mercy and love. Glorify your name, Father. Do you know what God's name is? When God reveals himself to Moses, Moses asks that God would show him his glory. God hides Moses in the cleft of a rock, and he puts his hand in front of Moses, and he walks past him and shows him his backside, and he says, This is who I am, the Lord, the Lord, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That is the glory of God. That is what Jesus prays for, even though he knows that it means his own suffering and death. You cannot begin to measure his great love for you. Who else would do that for you? No one else could, but who would even begin to think that it was worthwhile for such a worm as me to die on the cross, to lay down his life, to set aside his dignity, to suffer all kinds of scorn and rebuke, to be treated as a sinner, counted among criminals, to be laid in a grave where he never belonged? Who would think that your God would do that for you? And yet he has done it. He has done it because he has come to give you light. His presence is a light shining in the darkness. He wants you to walk in the light. He has come to rescue you from everything that is dismal and bleak and grim about this life. Hopelessness and helplessness, suffering and grief, guilt and anguish. He's come to free you from all of that. He's come as a light that shines in the darkness. And what does light do? It scatters the darkness. The darkness has no place where the light is shining. Father, glorify your name. Let your light shine into the world. Now is my soul troubled. Yes, indeed, for in fact, it was real suffering on the cross. Real pain, real sorrow. Now is my soul troubled. But what? Am I going to ask that you take this away from me? No. I love them too much. He loves you too much. He would not give away that suffering for anything because of his great love for you. That's our great privilege during the season of Lent, during Holy Week, as we watch Jesus make his journey to the cross. It's our great privilege to see him show us his love. And not only show it to us, 
but actually to give it to us, to deliver it to us, his own flesh and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. There's no more precious treasure. It's his prayer that you would receive it. That is what Jesus prays for. When he prays that his Father would glorify his name, he prays that it would be glorified in you, that you would receive his mercy, that you would put your trust in him, that you'd look to him for every good thing, that you'd hear his word gladly and be enlivened by it, that you would walk in the light. What a joy that we get this light to show us the way. It's one of the great ironies of the season of Lent. We make our way towards Holy Week, and it feels like the days should be getting darker and darker as we head towards Good Friday and the vestments turn black. But in fact, you know, the days actually grow brighter and brighter. That's what the name Lent means. It has to do with the days lengthening. The light is increasing, even as Jesus is making his way towards the cross, because his light is shining on us. Walk in his light. Hold fast to him. Listen to his words. Rejoice in his great love for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.